we're looking at some logos that if you are connected, if you're on the in, if you will, that is, you get on the internet, some of these logos might look familiar. There are well over 400 of these kinds of websites. They're called social networking websites for those that don't use the internet. And this list is but just a very small fraction. And I think that Cleonax is one I know up until about a year or two ago, many, many Christians would be uh, well familiar with. There's a lot of them. I mean, this can go on and on with that list. I know a number of us are on it because we're on Facebook and we see each other on it or see photos or activities or posts and, and what have you about this list. But what's amazing about this is the mind-blowing numbers behind it. You see, it's not just that you have 400 of these websites, and they're growing every day. The number could be over 500 now, because I did a sermon about this about 13 months ago, and the numbers are so different than what I'm sharing, sharing with you today. When I did this about 13 months ago, there were about 250 million subscribers to Facebook alone. That would have made it by then about the fifth largest country in the world. Now, it'd be the fourth largest. It's 500 million as of Facebook's own statistical information. 500 million. They're growing at over 220%. That's an Imagine if the Lord's church grew that. <laughs> the whole world would, would be converted, it seemed like. That's just staggering numbers just to this one website. The average user a year ago spent about 26 minutes on this one website alone. 26. Today it's almost 33 minutes. One website. That's the reason why we're having a sermon on this because when, we, when you talk about social networking and, and things of this nature, we've got to understand that it has everything to do with Christianity in so many facets of our lives. And I'm hoping that we'll see the reason why. We'll see some of the, the blessings, but I'm wanting to deal primarily with some of the pitfalls so that we're aware of because of the fact that we have a joyful responsibility of walking worthy of that calling. That we walk worthy no matter where we're at. And when we're talking about social networking, we're, we're talking about things that are no different than other sermons. If we talked about the ills associated with TV, I mean, we've heard sermons on that, right? Certain books that we might read, or certain kind of music that we'll listen to, you're going to see the principles are going to be the same. And, and from that standpoint, I'm so glad. I've heard brethren say, and I might have even said this before, man, I just wish God would specify exactly how we should live our lives. I mean, how long can our shorts be before, you know, so it's acceptable? Um, you know, how much work is too much? At what hour or minute have we been too much in recreation? I mean, it'd be so easy and so nice, right? Except for man, that'd be a never-ending book. Imagine if the apostle had to deal with social network in the first century. I mean, just to think of things that are coming down the road fascinates me. And yet, the principles are always the same. And we're looking at some of these things. The difference, however, between those books, the TV, and the radio, they're all one-way entertainment. They're one-way information. Social networking is just that. It's social. It's two-way. It's dialogue. It's interactivity between individuals. 
And I remember the first time I thought, oh, my mom is so nice. She emailed me. Well, she didn't email me. She was, I don't know what she was doing, but somehow I ended up getting on Facebook thinking I was sending her an email and up signing up for it. Didn't realize how I got hooked in, if you will. But I thought, okay, I'm already on. Be nice to communicate with mom. It's interactivity. And so we're looking at something that deals with relationships, and that's different than books. That's different than TVs and, and what have you. We're talking about how we relate to each other in this virtual world. And that's what we have. And if you don't think that this is so important to the way we live, I'll give you one very out-of-the-norm example of how extreme virtual reality can be. In China, a lot of adults have grown up on the computer now. They're, they're young parents, but they've grown up as a gaming generation. Kind of like our children are growing up with just gaming. And so you'll see them growing up and then their games follow with them as, as parents and what have you. Well, imagine this. This is real. This is not imagination, but I want you to try and imagine this. A couple gets so involved in gaming, and the game that they're doing is raising their own offspring in the virtual world. So enthralling is this game, so addictive is this particular game in China, they neglected their real child, and their baby died. It's amazing. Virtual reality. That's an extreme example, but it goes on. It's showing just how powerful the Internet and the social interaction that takes place in the kinds of things that we are engaged in. And so we're, we're talking about something that is very necessary, and what we're going to do is look at social networking and how it actually affects us as Christians and some things that we can do about that. And I'm hoping for, for those of you that already know what to do, that this is a refresher for you. For those of you that said, you know, I never really thought about this, or I never really thought that it could be a problem with me, I'm hoping this blesses you. I'll say this, social networking is addictive. It's amazing how, you know, people will look at chemicals as an addiction. And you can look at it from a standpoint of drugs and alcohol. But social networking, going out to websites and all that, it's addicting. It's addicting in, in every sense of the word. But here's how it happens. Here's how it starts. It's almost like when you get that first drug, if you will, and how you get all this euphoria and what have you. It's this sense, generally, when people get on these social networking sites. First of all, it's kind of shiny. You know that new car that you have? And you're finding out how the car does all these things? I didn't realize we had a car that, after so many years, I said, it has that feature? <laughs> years after having the car. Well, we like that shiny newness, if you will, of social networking websites, and Facebook is one of them. In fact, that's the reason why so many brethren left boring Pleonast, if you will, if you've been on Pleonast, going, man, Facebook, you can do all these things. It's really cool. And so we learn how to navigate through that site, uh, whatever the uh, website is, and it's exciting because if for us, we keep track of all of our, quote, unquote, new friends we knew for and from way back when. In fact, Facebook, up until last year, was the adults' website. When I said adults, it's like our generation and older. Anyone that would get on the Internet for us. Because before then, it was for children. Before then, all the children were on Facebook and MySpace and all these others. And when mom and dad were getting on, 
like, oh man, this is not so cool anymore. If mom's on it and dad's on it. And so now children leaving, going off to other type social networking sites. And Facebook has really become the reunion.com and the classmate.com equivalent, if you will, of keeping track of your high school, uh, college friends and so on and so forth, those that you grew up with. But it's exciting getting to meet all those old friends and making them your new friends on Facebook. And the average user ends up having just under 200 of their friends. That's an amazing amount of people that are keeping track with one another. And then when you go further into this, when you finally are taught from your friend, here's how you make a post. Kind of like, oh, I hit that button and it worked. And every one of my friends got to find out what I just did today or what I thought about today or what I thought about life in general. And so we go back to the website. Did they respond? Did they like what I said? They were, how did they respond to what I wrote about and so we get into this and it gets more and more exciting and, and we get anxious because we want to respond to what other people have to say. Sometimes people say something and you have to respond. And so this becomes a part of your new lifestyle. And eventually then, this whole experience begins to consume our lives because, well, I've put something out. I want to see if they're going to uh, react to what I had to say. And then I have to react to what their reply was. And it becomes a, again, interaction. And it's amazing that that interaction has now outdone the telephone in so many ways. Kind of like the, the telephone outdid our actually seeing each other face to face. So we're taking this concept of relationships to a, to a very virtual way, if you will, and it's time consuming. It fills our minds, our time, and our energy. That's what happens over the course of time with social networking sites. In fact, this is part of, of the whole scheme with social networking, and, and we'll look at that in just a minute, but pretty soon you become this pro or this veteran that you can start showing other people, here's how you put a picture on here, make a slideshow, play Farmville. I've never played it, but I've heard it's really addicting. You know, you... You become a pro at Facebook, if you will. My mom's a pro. My mom's in her later 60s. She's a pro on Facebook, teaching me stuff. Well, eventually, there comes a point where this is just what I need to do. Kind of like the morning coffee. I've got to have it. I've got to be on this site and what have you. And I remember when I preached this lesson the first time, there was a young brother in Christ, and he says, that's not me. Oh, Mitch, I mean, this is, I can get off any time. <laughs> but do you see where that's going? And he said, I'm just going to show you how much this has not affected my life. After two weeks, he said, I can't take it anymore. He was back on Facebook. It's addicting. For some of us, it's not. For some of us, you know, it's no big deal. It's just a website. I can check in, check out, so on and so forth. For others, it's an integral part of your life that without it, you get the shakes. It's like not having your telephone next to you, your cell phone for some people. It's like not, not having your TV set on. It's like not having your morning coffee. It's, it's needed. And so we have varying degrees of this. But here's another part that I think is a very 
crucial aspect of one of those pitfalls, aside from addiction. And this is the part that is every bit as harmful to our walk with the Lord. Social networking markets, promotes self-centeredness. Listen to commercials. Look at advertisements. Why did the social networking website MySpace call itself MySpace? It's all about you. It's all about me. My stuff. My thoughts. And that's not wrong in and of itself by being able to reflect that. My mom started writing a book through when she got an account on MySpace. Stuff that I never knew about my mom. I thought it was pretty interesting. I was like, man, my mom? I didn't know that about you, mom. MySpace. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Richard even brought this up in our Bible class this morning. Nevertheless, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We sing the song that we hopefully get to the epitome. None of self and all of thee. Our lives are about giving up our will. That's what Jim was mentioning in, in the talk on the Lord's Supper this morning. How Christ said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's what our life should begin to look like as we are converted from this world and separated unto our God. That it's not our lives, but as bondservants purchased by the wonderful and precious blood of our Savior, we draw near to Him. We give our lives to Him. Isn't that what heaven's all about? We're constantly in heaven praising God. It's not about me. It's everything about our wonderful Creator, our Father in heaven. And so... There is a biblical need to rid of self. But our society is built up on self. Self-esteem. Self-this and self-that. There was a commercial I just read, and the entire commercial was, what about me? The entire commercial. 30 seconds worth. In fact, one of, I forgot what the words were. I wish I could remember that commercial. It was like, shove your friends on the way. It's all about me. It was the message of that commercial. And so that's what social networking does. You know, I've got this problem today. And five minutes later, and I got that problem, this problem, and then this is what's going on. Pretty, it's just me. And I want that. I want that attention from that standpoint. And so that's the concept. And in fact, if you've heard of Twitter, which I finally understood Twitter after it had been out for about a year, year and a half, because I was, I guess, asked for beta, beta testing for it, where you test the thing out before it goes. Well, Twitter asked us, what is a Twitter? What is a tweet? It sounds like a bird to me as far as I'm concerned. And yet, the concept of Twitter is, here's my life and everyone wants to know, I just got out of the shower. Oh, okay. I mean, it's that, I mean, you put stuff like that down. There was a researcher who actually put babbling stuff, I think, on his research. He looked at 2,000 different accounts for a, a period of time and... 40, almost 40% of what was tweeted, if you will, stuff like that. Just nothing. And people would subscribe to you so they can follow what you're doing throughout the day. So anytime you did anything, you brushed your teeth, oh, I get a message on my phone. Mitch brushed his teeth. I mean, that's what these things do. So that's the, the concept of what's going on. And on the surface, it sounds great. Because we want to be connected with each other. And as far as Mitch Davis is concerned, 
You know, I told you one of my weaknesses is my memory. And you... Sorry, Janice. <laughs> one of these days I'll get your name right. But I'm telling you, one of my other weaknesses that embarrasses me is I'm a very bad communicator. Ask my family. My sister called me up last week so I could wish her a happy birthday. I'm not kidding you. So, these kinds of things, they have a purpose, they have a place, and it can be helpful to people, you know, like us. I'm not, hopefully not the only one. But you get the point. There's something beyond this, the good, that becomes a pitfall. And this is one of them. And I tell you, this is about the worst. Social networking is a breeding ground for gossip. I mean, if it rains, that's where the mosquitoes are, right? Well, you put up a social networking site, and pretty soon, you just... Things you would never, ever talk about in these walls. Man, posted right up for the world. And we all talk about what so-and-so said, what so-and-so did. I think part of the reason why is it's so easy. You know, when we wrote letters, you know the ones that we put in the mailbox? When we wrote those kinds of letters, and I know some of us still do, but it takes time to write that letter. Especially when you don't keyboard it. It's a lot slower. Carpal tunnel setting in on a long letter. But, you know, on a keyboard, you can just type it out real fast. Well, the thing is, because it's so easy for the whole world to keep up with us, we become very spontaneous, kind of like some of our conversations where we're spontaneous in our interaction with one another. And so here we are. We're just typing away, typing away, hit enter. Gmail has done something very good. It has the undo button for the first five to ten seconds. So you're, I forgot to add this. I didn't word that just right. And you can undo it. Most of these social networking sites, once you hit enter, it's there. And you might say, but Mitch... You see that little X? You can delete that. I'm going to share with you something that you might not know. You might be able to delete it, but it's not taken off the servers. Once you post something, it's in the database. It's in these computer-like boxes somewhere. And it belongs to the company that you did your end-user agreement it's their material. Now, they have privacy information and so forth that you should keep, but read the fine print. They own it. All your pictures that you've shown. All the activities that are nice and easy for us. But here's the key. You might be putting things that you say, oh, man, I should not have said that. It was not right for me to do this. Delete. But it's still out there. It's a breeding ground for gossip. The thing is, when it goes out, it gets out very fast. Even if things that you mean for good can turn out unintended consequences. I've actually done one of those things, very embarrassing things, um, where once I put photos up on one of my social networking sites, a Picasso thing, and it automatically ties right into Facebook, and I'm telling you, embarrassed me to death. It, nothing, it was nothing wrong with what I had done except for there were some pictures I shouldn't have put up there that were personal to our family. Man, it's embarrassing. 
And no matter how fast you delete it, it's amazing how everyone's so connected with their cell phones to the Internet now. So these are situations that are grounds, if you will, for, for gossip. And we can go on and on about various other pitfalls, but those are some of the things that hopefully get our minds thinking about what happens, how does social networking affect me as a Christian? Because most of us in this room, I would say, spend time on the Internet. Maybe not all of us, but most of us do. And I would say that a good part of the congregation here, like many other congregations, have a number of brethren on these kinds of sites, social networking sites. And I'm telling you, it affects those who are not even on the Internet. Because you have your children and your grandchildren that would get on. And I've had grandparents and great-grandparents come up to me after that first time I gave this sermon, and they said, you know what? It affects me very much so even though I don't, I'm not on the Internet. And they went on to tell me how it had affected them. And so here's one of those things that we need to understand about social networking. This is Satan I'm talking about. When you go back to Genesis chapter 4, remember dealing with Cain and Abel? And how God had warned Cain after his offering was given and then Abel's offering before him. He said, listen, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. That's what God said. And you know, when it comes to these sites like books and like songs and like TV programs and so on and so forth, any host of things that we could talk, be talking about, there's always something that is not wrong in and of itself, but can be put on a moral plane at some point. And social networking is one of those. It can be put on a, on a moral plane, if you will, where there's temptation because of interaction, and sin lies at the door. And Satan wants nothing more than to have you brought in. And this is a breeding ground for it. It happens. I believe because of the addiction, and this is the reason why Michael read 1 Corinthians chapter, um, chapter 10, verse 30 and 31, that we realize that anything that enslaves us, anything, I'll be so mundane as something as caffeine with soft drinks, anything that enslaves us becomes our master. This is what Paul said. And that includes social networking among other things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we are taught, told very clearly, we have but one master. Ironically, when Jesus was saying this, he was talking to Jews who only had one God. They already knew this truth and had still needed to be reminded of it. And so very, very important that we understand that while we can mentally, academically understand, yes, yes, I... I don't worship Facebook. I can stop any time. If it is enslaving your life, it, you know, it's just such a part of your life. You know how if your hand causes you to sin, you cut it off? Well, if Facebook does that, you delete your account. You cut off the hand, if you will. You cut off that which brings forth the sin that lies at the door. Things that may seem drastic, but in the grand scheme of things, aren't very drastic at all. Some would say, yeah, but all you have to do is change your lifestyle. You know, tell that to someone who's dealing with drunkenness, right? Man, it's hard. 
Oh, I can get, and someone say, well, it's so easy for me. Whatever the situation is, there's a lot of people that will make excuses and continue on. This is one of those things. And so we had that exhortation. This is Jesus taught in Matthew 5. Well, I want to make it absolutely clear. I don't think social networking is sin in and of itself. There's no sin. In fact, it could be really good. I don't think TV is sinful in and of itself. I think TV can be very, very helpful, very educational. I don't think songs are bad in and of itself unless the message, you know, no different than the message of TV, no different than the kind of messages you read regarding these social interacting sites or the messages you put on there. I believe it can be very edifying. I think it's a great way of communication. I love communicating with brethren in South America that I've known over the last five years. I love being able to communicate. That's wonderful. I may not do it very often, but it's there. And I get to see pictures of brothers and sisters in Christ that I've come to know over the last 21, 22 years. How wonderful to keep up. There are some really good things and relationships that can be enhanced in very special ways that are just hard otherwise. So I see very good things. But because of these pitfalls, we've got to remember that this virtual world that we are on and in, if you will, the same rule applies. That we have that golden rule that we're taught about. To love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. To love your neighbor as yourself. We're taught those things. Somehow, brethren, some of us forget those very rules in the virtual world. Somehow, some just get on this, almost like an anonymous, where I've got a mask on, and I can just say whatever, and no one's going to find out that it's me. Amazingly, I remember hearing of a brother in Christ who got on the public radio. No, there's millions of people in the Atlanta market. Speaks and uses language and should not use, period. And brethren going, I heard you. That was your voice. That was you. It's amazing. Same thing. Social networking. Just because you have flying Hawaiian, that doesn't mean people don't know who you are. They know. They find out. They know who the Southern Belle is. And they know all the other usernames that are out there. We've got to remember that etiquette, if you will, or the verbiage for the the netiquette, that you have this way that you relate to individuals in a godly manner. These are common sense things, but that we need to be reminded of because of things that we share. Ultimately, we need to create posts that praise God. And this is my opinion. I honestly believe that, you know, when when your life exudes a service to the Lord, it stands out in every aspect of your life. You know, if my treasure is here in this world, look at my Facebook. It's going to reflect the world. If my life is just so in love with the Lord Himself, one to glorify Him, you'll see it in, in Facebook. You'll see it in just me and the way I live, and I'll see it in you as well. But where our treasure is, you'll find your heart as well. And that's what we see here. When your heart reflects nothing but the flesh, brethren, it's time to look in the mirror and see, what am I doing? How am I living my life? 
What kind of light am I shining for people in this world? But if you're always praising God, if you're always trying to build up people, how encouraging is that? How encouraging that you can use this wonderful and rich medium called the Internet where you can put things out that lead people to the Lord, that influence people to praise God. There's nothing more noble. And I believe that's where these benefits can be taking place if we are to change the lifestyles that we have in the virtual world. I believe if you're going to be using social networking, I would strongly encourage you to use it to the glory of God. Not for self-centeredness. Use it to the glory of God. You'd be surprised at the Bible studies you might get started. You'd be very encouraged by it as well. You'd be surprised how many people get to know who you are truly because of the way you manifest your life on the Internet. And I pray that whatever you do in word or deed, you do all in the name of the Lord. You give God the thanks. You give Him the glory. And that's going to allow you to walk forward of His calling.